So as we come in the deep dark of morning to the tomb in the garden and find Mary, here's a question as you hear the story. What does Mary come seeking? And maybe hold that question for yourself as you hear the story. On this Easter morning, what do you come seeking? Our second reading is John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early in the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up and in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to God, but go to my brothers, my siblings, and say to them, I am ascending to my parent and your parent, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And she told him the things that he had said to her. We celebrate the written word of scripture. We celebrate the living word, God among us. Thanks. Please pray with me. Holy Christ, as we gather around your word of resurrection, fill us with life 
that your word might become flesh in our flesh and bones for the blessing of the world you love. Amen. They say that every good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. The Gospel of John begins big, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt in the midst of us, in us, full of grace and truth. The middle of the Gospel tells all the life that Jesus lived in the midst of us, the Word made flesh, all the signs that have pointed us to something more. Early on, Jesus turns the water into wine. He heals a man born blind and one who cannot walk and so many more. He feeds the 5,000. He welcomes those who others would cast out. He sits with a Samaritan woman at the well, sharing some truth and sips of cool water on a dry, dusty day. Jesus gathers a community and says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own by name and they know the sound of my voice. He says other strange things that they will only understand later. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. I bring living water. Whoever drinks will never thirst. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. You are the branches. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus gathers a community and calls them friend. And when they die, he stands at their tomb and he weeps. He brings Lazarus back to life. After all this, Jesus enters into Jerusalem, the shouts of Hosanna, and as he settles in at the Last Supper, we sense that we have come to the beginning of the end. The writer of the Gospel pretty much tells us so. Having loved his own to this point, he loved them into the end. Jesus washes his disciples' feet, and gives them a new command, love one another as I have loved you. And over the course of Good Friday, we watch as he loves them all the way to crucifixion. He loves the one who betrays him. He loves the one who denies him. He loves all of them, though they will all flee into the night. He loves them from the cross. Another gospel tells us that Jesus comforts the two men crucified on either side of him. He prays for the forgiveness of those who have brought him to the cross, for they know not what they do. John tells us that Jesus sees his mother standing there at the foot of the cross, and with his last words, he makes sure that she is cared for. He asks for a drink. I'm thirsty. Says it is finished, complete, and he breathes his last. Having loved his own to this point, he loves them into the end. Jesus loves them all the way to crucifixion. And then two followers of Jesus, two of those friends, come and take the body and wash it, wrap it in spices, and lay it in a garden tomb 
and they roll the stone in place. And that's where we find Mary this morning, back in the garden, at the tomb, in what must have felt in every bone of her body like the end of this story. She comes while it's still dark. Different from how the other Gospels remember it, Mary comes alone, not with the other women. I wonder what she comes seeking. There's nothing left to do for the body. It's already been washed and loved and sealed in the tomb, but even so, Mary comes. Mary rises in the deep dark of early morning. Maybe she hasn't even slept, and she staggers to the tomb, stunned, silent, and weeping. She arrives at the tomb and finds the stone rolled away, the first sign that things are not what they seem. And Mary runs, Mary runs to find her people, runs to Peter and the beloved disciple. They've taken the Lord and we don't know where they've put him. And the three of them run back. The beloved disciple gets there first, comes to the lip, <clears throat> the lip of the tomb and sees the burial linens, but he can't go in. Mary watches as Peter goes in, sees those burial linens, the face cloth neatly folded in the corner, but no body. The beloved disciple goes in too, and he sees and believes, but neither of them knows or understands what has happened, and they go back home. But Mary stays. Mary lingers and we linger with her. She stands outside the tomb, weeping. Nothing makes sense. There's just pain. And as she weeps, Mary goes to the mouth of the tomb and looks in to see for herself. She sees two angels. And they ask her, woman, why are you weeping? Now for us, standing with Mary, the answer to that question in a sense is so obvious that the question feels almost cruel. We know why Mary's weeping. Someone she loves has died. And we know what that is like, the stunned disbelief, the ache of not knowing how to get up in the morning in a world that doesn't have them in it. We know those moments where no words can help the expanse, the abyss of loss and weeping and silence. Woman, why are you weeping? They've They've taken my Lord and I don't know where. They have put him, she has lost someone she loves and now even, even his body is gone too. In that moment, Mary turns and Jesus is standing there. At first, she doesn't know him, that it's him and he asks her the same question, woman, why are you weeping? And then another, whom do you seek? Thinking him the gardener, sir, if you've moved the body, no worries, just show me where he is and I will move him. And then Jesus says, Mary. He calls her by name and maybe all those strange things he said come rushing back. I am the good shepherd. I know my own by name. They know the sound of my voice. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And Mary knows. 
Jesus speaks her name and she knows that this is Jesus. She knows he is alive. Standing here in this story with Mary, what we see with her in this moment is that the end is not the end. She thought that this story had ended like so many stories do. The powers have crushed the people. Evil has triumphed over good. Life has been swallowed up in death. That old story that we know so well, beginning, middle, and end, the end is not the end, not anymore, never again. Jesus, whom she watched die on the cross, comes to her weeping at the mouth of the tomb and speaks her name, Mary. And she knows, Rabunai, teacher, the end is not the end. But not just that, the story that we thought had ended in death opens up in life. Now remember, John had told us at the Last Supper that Jesus, having loved his own to this point, loved them into the end. Well, yes. But let's look at that again. That's usually translated, he loved them to the end, as if Jesus loved them to the edge of a cliff. But in the Greek, the preposition is really in two. Jesus loved them into the end. And the word for end isn't really end like the edge of a cliff, but end like a goal. Means and ends. Jesus loved them into the end, into the goal, into the fulfillment. Having loved his own to this point, Jesus loves them into fulfillment. Jesus loves them into life. This is, the end is not the end, but not just that. Look what happens next. Mary embraces the risen Christ. She grabs hold. Jesus says, Mary, don't continue to hold on to me. He has to say that because she's holding on to him. There they stand in the garden next to an empty tomb, Mary embracing Jesus alive. And not just that. Jesus sends Mary to go and tell the others she is the first apostle. He tells her to go to the others, his brothers, his sibling, tell them that he's alive, that he's going to his parent, their parent, our parent, in the midst of the garden, next to this empty tomb, a new family springs to life. Those once called friends are now family, all of them, all of us, children of God. The end is not the end, and it doesn't stop there. The risen Christ appears here to Mary, and then he will appear to the disciples without Thomas, and then he'll appear to Thomas, who wasn't there with the disciples the first time. The writer of the Gospel of John tells resurrection story after resurrection story, and then takes a breath and says, you know, Jesus did so many miraculous things that even beyond what I'm writing in this book, but these are written. These are written that you might believe, that you might trust, and that in trusting you might find life. And even that is not the end. The gospel goes on. John has one more story to tell of how the risen Christ feeds and has one more meal with the disciples. And then the writer of the gospel in its last verse takes another breath and in the last words of the gospel says, oh, Jesus did so many things that I suppose that if every one of them were written down, there would not be books enough to hold them. The gospel of John ends by opening up into a world so full of life that there are not books enough to hold all the stories. They say, 
that every good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Film director Tim Burton puts it this way. He says, every good story does have a beginning, a middle, and an end, just not necessarily in that order. <laughs> in this moment, in the garden, at the open door of an empty tomb, it's almost as if we have come to the end, only to find that all of a sudden there we are back at the very, very beginning. Jesus and Mary in a garden like Adam and Eve in the bright dawn of a brand new day, but then it also feels like an entirely new beginning, a brand new story opening up, a new family, a new creation full of new abundant life, or or maybe we've never left the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt in Jesus, and in life, and in death, and in resurrection, and in us, the beginning, the middle, and the end. It's all right here in this moment, full of grace and truth made flesh in us. The end is not the end. But in those moments and days after crucifixion, it sure felt like it. Mary feels it. In the dark of that moment, when it felt like everything had come to an end, I wonder what Mary had come seeking. What got her out of bed that morning and compelled her to come to this place, to the tomb in the night? I wonder what we come seeking. On this Easter morning, what do we, what do you come seeking? To be sure, we come, we come to celebrate Easter, to hear the story once again, to wave the Alleluia banners, to sing the Alleluia chorus, to lean into the sure promise of resurrection. But we come in a still bewildering world full of stories that too often feel like endings, questions too big for pat and simple answers. We've put in peril the earth we love. Our work for justice feels like three steps forward and two steps back. Way too often, it feels like power wins again. Maybe we come with our own stories seeking something more. Our own stories that feel like they have come to an end. With our own loss, our own hurt, our own ache. One of the things I love most about this particular Easter story is that it takes Mary's suffering seriously. It doesn't rush by her weeping too quickly. We linger there with her. Maybe like Mary, we come seeking something bigger than all that. Maybe we come seeking healing or comfort or love. Maybe we come seeking hope. I don't know for sure what Mary came seeking. But what I do know, what we know, is what she found. What Mary found was the stone rolled away 
and an empty tomb. What she found was the risen Christ calling her name and loving her still. What Mary found on that Easter morning was God's love for us in Jesus Christ bigger and stronger than anything and everything that does us harm. God's love for us bigger than all things in creation, bigger than the beginning, the middle, and the end, stronger than any power, stronger even than death. What Mary found on that Easter morning in the experience of resurrection is the astonishing truth that propels us forward together every day in this bewildering world, the truth that brings this story to life again in our lives again and again, the word come to flesh in, to come to life in our flesh and our bones, the truth that sends us out yet again into the bright hope of a brand new day. And that truth is this. In the power and the promise of God's love for us in Jesus Christ, everything, everything that lies ahead is life. 